services this week, Monday, Thursday, 7.30, Good Friday, 7.30, Sunrise, other services on Easter. Let's make this a sacred week together. Thank you for coming today, those of you in the room, many more we know joining us online. It's good to worship God together in this way. My name is James Howell. I am one of the pastors here. And uh, it's good to be together. You'll notice in your bulletin, uh, there's a This Week at Myers Park shows you not just the services that are going on, ways that you can volunteer in mission, do so many good things. Let me mention this, at noon, I know you're here at this service, but if you go have coffee or lunch or something and come back at noon, I and a couple of you from the building committee are going to lead a hard hat tour of the construction site, if you'd be interested in seeing that. Uh, so that would be a lot of fun. Come back at noon uh, for that. We'll gather in the uh, lobby of the Parish Life Building. So friends, let us be in an attitude of worship.
invite you to stand as you're able for the reading of the gospel. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth and Galilee.
Let us continue to unite our voices as we joyfully worship by affirming our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
The epistle reading is Philippians chapter 2, beginning with the fifth verse. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I was telling somebody in the back, <clears throat> when I was pastor in Davidson, the uh, tradition there for Palm Sunday is the children, they had a wider aisle than we do, so this worked. <clears throat> the children would come in and they would form you know, something of a gauntlet all the way up and down the aisle and they would wave and the choir would come through. It was really lovely. And then as the clergy would come, the tradition developed that they would swat the clergy. <laughs> so, so much fun. Palm Sunday, it's the beginning of Holy Week, a week, it's a chunk of time. We live our lives in chunks of weeks. How was your week? We think of such things since creation. It's been a week. Jesus comes to Jerusalem, and Holy Week is, for him, it's the exclamation point on everything that he's been about and everything that is in the heart of God. It's the climax of everything that God wants to do in the world. It starts uh, breezy and fun like uh, we did. You have donkey in the palms, it's fun, it's flowery, but you have to think about the courage that Jesus had to muster to walk into that city. He walked right into the teeth of danger. He walked right into the thick of immense confusion. It was history's uh, strangest invasion. If you looked up in the encyclopedia, invasions through history, there's no invasion like Jesus' invasion, right? He's uh, unarmed. He's uh, peaceful. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. He's not even trying to win. Stillness, the stillness of God invades the racket and the clamor of humanity. It's uh, such a beautiful thing. Jesus, when he came to uh, Jerusalem, he wasn't taking on any one person. He didn't come there thinking, I'm going to get rid of that Herod and everything will be fine. I'm going to take on that Caiaphas. He shouldn't be the high priest anymore. I'm going to get that Pontius Pilate. He's just been a dud, been a problem to us for too long. Jesus isn't after any one person. He's coming to take on the, the powers of evil. And if I say that to you, I know that some of you think there's no such thing as the powers of evil. There's just individual responsibility. Friends, there's such a thing as the powers of evil. You can't get rid of one nefarious person, then all is well. I remember when we got rid of Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden. There were people who thought, oh, everything will be fine now. I don't think so. There are powers of evil beyond that. I know many Americans who think if we just get rid of Donald Trump, everything would be fine. And I know Americans who think if we could just get rid of Joe Biden and those liberals, everything would be fine. But there are forces that are beyond that. The violence in our society, you can fill in the blank. When's the latest shooting? Is it a school? Is it a shopping center? Where is it? Nashville? Where is it, right? There, there's, there's violence out there. If we talk about race as a problem, it's not like there's some one racist person somewhere. If you go give them a talking to, we'll be fine. It's a pervasive issue, uh, all kinds of poverty. You know, like it's not just like, oh, there's a poor person. Give them some money. Everything will be fine. Poverty, it's like a thing. The affliction of political ideologies, the economy. And you feel so small before these large forces, right? 
Somebody called me the other day and said, are, are we sending aid to the earthquake victims in eastern Turkey? And the answer is yes, but you feel so small before it. Like, let's say we had a great fundraiser. Let's say we got a million dollars to send to eastern Turkey. The need in eastern Turkey is many trillions of dollars. It would just be a drop in the ocean. You see more tornado damage. Where is it this morning? Arkansas, it was Mississippi earlier. It's always something. and You feel so small and you just get numb and you just think, I'll just retreat into my little world in the face of these powers. It's no one person. It's a lot of stuff. Lisa and I, last Sunday night, went to uh, First Presbyterian to hear a lecture. And we thought, those Presbyterians might you know, benefit from you know, a little Methodist flavoring in the room. So we went, it was a talk by Serene Jones, who's the president of uh, Union Seminary up in New York, and her talk was on her academic specialty, which is trauma and grace. And she talked about how, this is so interesting to me, she thinks that all the, you know what PTSD is, right? There's trauma and then later you feel the impact of it. <laughs> She thinks coming out of the pandemic that what we're actually experiencing, there's not just one trauma out there, but there are all these traumas that are coming at us all at once, right? So it's the trauma of the pandemic, the trauma of race, the trauma of what's going on with the police, the trauma of the economy, the trauma of the Ukraine war. All of this, all this trauma is coming. She quoted a poem from memory that I immediately fell in love with. It goes like this, hear the breaking thunder of the icebergs as they crack. Hear the flow and the gush of the ages as all of the harms of the past come up to meet us all at once, and they will not let us go until we take the greatest stride humanity has ever taken. I think that's about right. Like all the traumas of the past, has come up, they've come upon us all at once, and it requires us to take the greatest stride humanity has ever taken. So the, the, there's the forces of evil is a big corporate thing out there, but then there is individual responsibility. It's still a thing. You know, we talk about traffic in Charlotte, but it's one driver at a time who does not know how to drive, who runs a red light, whatever. I have friends who've been killed in car accidents. You know, it's not traffic in Charlotte. Somebody makes a bad decision. Vladimir Putin making some bad decisions, like that's a bad guy. When you have a shooter, I mean, shooting is a thing, but there's a given shooter and he, she now decides to shoot. I read a book years ago by Daniel Goldhagen uh, that really struck me. It's called Hitler's Willing Executioners. You hear about the Holocaust and you think, oh, that was Hitler and a few Gestapo guys who killed those millions of Jews. No, it was all of Germany. All, and the Germans, like these are smart people. And all of these Germans, they were Lutheran, Catholic, churchgoers. They knew what was going on. They participated in the Holocaust. You know, they were just watching it go by. Hitler's willing executioners. I read a book uh, this week. It was reviewed in the uh, Wall Street Journal last week by Matthew Desmond. It's called Poverty by America. And he points out, we think of poverty, it's like, oh, it's just a thing. It's just an inevitable thing. He, he dissects the way each one of us is responsible for poverty in America. We make various decisions. We benefit from certain ways that things are arranged. If they weren't arranged that way, we wouldn't benefit as much, so we want to keep it that way. He says each one of us is individually responsible for poverty in America, and if each one of us individually made some changes, we could get rid of poverty in America, but we really don't want to because we like the benefits that we receive. Individual responsibility. Last week, I told you about uh, Gandhi's social sins, you know, and there are these things like pleasure without conscience, commerce without morality, religion without sacrifice, politics without principle. That sounds like a force that's out there, but actually one person after another. Somebody has pleasure without conscience. Somebody exercises politics without principle. Somebody exercises commerce without morality. One by one by one, drip, 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 and pretty soon there's a whole canyon. What's a canyon? It's just the dripping of water over a long period of time, drop by drop. In Holy Week, Jesus comes to embrace this ambiguity. Jesus came to take on the powers 
and he came to convert individual hearts. He came to take this great stride in history. And, and what it, what it means, this is so interesting. I read um, uh, recently as a theologian that I met over the pandemic, I probably wouldn't have met him were it not for the pandemic, named Chris Green. He's a Pentecostal Bible scholar. He wrote these words that are, are so on target. Jesus' life ended as it did not because the powers of evil overcame him, still less because God forced it to happen for the sake of accomplishing some predetermined plan. No, listen to this. Jesus' life ended as it did because ordinary human beings, including the faithful and loving and hopeful ones, could not imagine an alternative to the injustice they found themselves enacting. Let me read that to you again. Jesus' life ended as it did because ordinary human beings, including the faithful, the loving, the hopeful ones, could not imagine an alternative to the injustice they found themselves enacting. Friends, Jesus did not come to make your life 14% better. Jesus did not come to make the world 4% prettier. Jesus came to enact a revolution. He came to blow our imagination so we could see, conceive a very different world. We have lost our ability to do this. We think, well, there's, there's this violence. There's just corruption. There's just politics as it is in Washington. We can't imagine an alternative. Jesus comes to blow our imaginations. <laughs> I think that's why he starts with the donkey, right? I mean, uh, he doesn't come in on a war stallion. He comes in on a donkey. Like, you're not going to win a battle with a donkey. He's trying to get us to rethink what he's about. The donkey is not cute or huggable. Have you ever been on a donkey? smelly, it's a bumpy ride. What's Jesus trying to say to us? That donkey doesn't bolt. There's all this racket going on. The donkey doesn't run, the donkey just stays. Like, ours isn't to bolt and run. We tend to want to do that. You see the troubles of the world, I'll just kind of retreat into my, give my, no, the donkey doesn't bolt, the donkey Say so it's even, it's a borrowed donkey. <laughs> it's not even Jesus' own donkey. That's kind of pathetic. Except I think Jesus is saying that uh, the great stride that we need to take is not about possessions. It's not about owning more things. It's a different kind of <clears throat> different kind of revolution. Different kind of revolution. Jesus comes. He could have just come in by himself, but he comes in as a whole crowd. <laughs> so we do things together as a crowd. We, we take that great stride of history we do with other people within the body of Christ. And here, I've tried to think about this. Where... If Jesus showed up in 2023, where would he ride on that donkey to invade our troubled world, to take that great stride to begin his revolution? I made a little list. It's not an exhaustive list, and some of the lists may get on your nerves, and if it does, I'm, I'd about to say I'm sorry. Not really. <laughs> where would Jesus ride today? I think this week you'd say Jesus would ride into Nashville. And Jesus' uh, quiet message there would be uh, no rights, no rights trump in over the safety of our children. That's what I think Jesus would say. <clears throat> I think Jesus might ride into East Palestine, Ohio, and he might say uh, no corporate profits. So we love corporate profits, don't we? Because you own stock, your stock does well, you get dividends. We all, all boats rise because of corporate profits. But Jesus would say no corporate profits trump in over the safety of people that live in little towns across, <coughs> across this country. I think Jesus might go to, uh, I don't know where, uh, a bar, an ABC store. Jesus is not against drinking. Jesus drank wine, served it to his disciples at the Last Supper. But I think Jesus might ride in and uh, humbly suggest to us, like, um, why do you guys drink too much? You do it to make a sad day happier. You do it to celebrate a happy day. You do it to uh, lubricate social interactions. You're even in denial with yourself about drinking too much. So I think Jesus might ride into the cemetery 
the columbarium and say, well, you, you think it's over and you think, oh, we have the memory of this person to live on, but I, I've already raised them up. They are already in heaven with me. Can you imagine a different reality? I think Jesus would ride into, uh, gosh, the schools that struggle. We have this in Charlotte. You know, they put out ratings of schools. Here are the schools that do really well, and here's the schools where <clears throat> the reading levels are low, and parents think, don't live in that neighborhood, right? But I think Jesus would ride into those schools and say, all children ought to be able to read. I think Jesus would say, you know, don't just run and hide and be sure your kids can read. We've got to be sure all kids can read. Jesus would find people that are homeless and crushed by being evicted and such. And Jesus would say, all people ought to have a decent place to live. Jesus would ride in anywhere that there's racial tension or police conflict. He would say, can you not imagine a different world where this isn't a thing? Can you imagine that? Can we start a mass movement? Jesus comes to blow our... <clears throat> imaginations. Uh, the rest of uh, today's sermon wasn't the rest of today's sermon until this morning, so I apologize. This isn't uh, well conceived yet. But I thought about this. I've not been in a very funny mood uh, last night or this morning. Uh, and here's the thing. Uh, I, I thought some, some theologian said this. For Christ to come, he has to be born. So we think like B-O-R-N, like at Christmas, but that's not what we mean. It's born, B-O-R-N-E, <clears throat> right? Jesus doesn't walk into Jerusalem. He is born into Jerusalem, and, and he, he needs to be born. And, and who are those that bear Jesus into the places where Jesus comes? And I thought about the people that I've known and loved in my life who have borne Christ, and... Uh, what I thought all this week is uh, we've just lost too many of them recently. And it's just breaking my heart. I don't know. It's just a thing. And we can name, I'll leave out some, but I thought of four driving over uh, this morning. Because when you lose those who bear Christ into the world, the rest of us have to step up, right? The big holes, we've got to do something. So four, you know, one... Uh, Mr. Jerry Richardson uh, got a lot of press, of course, when he died, owner of the Panthers. I love that here we did not know him as the owner of the Panthers. We knew him as a faithful United Methodist, a devoted church member. He was a trustee. He was on our administrative board. And he did so much bearing of Christ into the world behind the scenes that nobody ever knew anything about. I, I know about it because he was my friend. And we'd have dinner and we'd talk about such things. Really going to miss him. Uh, the other day we had the funeral for Janet England. Uh, some of you are too young to know this, but... Janet used to be probably the most recognizable female face in the city of Charlotte. She was the first female anchor on the TV news. I remember the first Sunday she came here. I told this at her funeral. I looked out, and she and Bill were sitting over there, and I was just gaga, like, oh, I got that Janet England. I was amazed. I should have been gaga, not because she was Janet England, the TV personality, but because she was Janet England, who was a humble, holy seeker after God, and she tried to use her platform on television to lift up children that were in crisis. I think this week we lost uh, Petey Devant. Didn't know Petey, you missed it. She was just uh, wicked, funny, quirky. She was so key in our uh, women's ministry. And she was a warrior for the environment. You know, she just wanted to change God's world to protect it. She was great. And then it's harder to talk about <laughs> than I thought it would be. Um, last night, our uh, beloved lay leader, my very, very dear friend, uh, Dick Carter, 
uh, died after a very quiet bout with cancer. He didn't want a lot of attention. He was our lay leader of this church for many years, 17, I think. He was just a great man. He brought Christ to the people of this church in such a magnificent way. People always, you know, they look at our church and they say, oh, it's the building. No. People look and say, oh, it's the music, the choir. Oh, they're lovely. Two or three think, Howell's not too bad. But, But that's not it. This church is the beautiful church that it is because of the people, and Dick has been the leader of the people. He's done so much. It's one of those things, you know, like I knew, I'm talking too long, I'm sorry. I, I, knew, I knew he was going to die. I saw him the other day, and we knew he wasn't long for this world, but then somehow last night when the news came, there's always some finality to it, right? I remember when uh, Lisa's mom died. Um, I'd written the obituary. I'd submitted it to the paper. I got up, and I knew it would be in the paper. And I opened the paper, and I saw her obituary, and I cried for 30 minutes. Some of the finality of that. Dick Carter, he was a bearer of Christ. And the question is, what do we do now? We've all got to step up. We've all got to be people of the choir. You know, sings this thing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, blessed are the Myers Park United Methodist people who come in the name of the Lord. You say, we're going to bear Christ into the world. We're going to be part of this revolution that Jesus came to touch off. We're going to be part of that great stride that humanity needs to take now because all of that trauma from the ages has come upon us, and we could just withdraw, but we're not going to withdraw because God says, I need you to go. I need you to bear me into the world. We've had so many great people who've shown us uh, the way, and now it's ours. Now it's ours to carry Christ forward. I didn't mean to get uh, emotional about this, but uh, you guys have to know that uh, we who are pastors, uh, we, we love you. We think about you when you're not here. We care about you. It's hard to lose any one of us, especially our leaders. So thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for thinking seriously about what God is asking of us. Love this church. Love what we can do. We can make a difference. We can do this. We're not stuck with this world that we find ourselves in. We can change it. We can change it. We have to. Thanks be to God. Let us continue to be in prayer. Prince of Peace, on this Palm Sunday, we are reminded that when the world expects one to choose power and wealth, you, O Lord, chose peace and humility. We admit that we still crave control and security in a way that keeps us from the calling that you have placed on our hearts. Help us to seek you. Help us to be your church. Help us to bear you to the world. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, as we prepare for a week that will end in violence, we admit that violence has already been on our hearts. We lift up cries of lament over more lives lost to gun violence. We also cry out with the feeling of helplessness, fear, and a desire to change this reality we find ourselves in. Lord, we are grateful that you are a God with us, and we need you. Lord, in your mercy, 
All loving God, you walk among us every day. Even when we fail to see you, help us to be people who always recognize that there is a king among us and that we never miss the chance to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Help us to see that we are not alone in our isolation, our addictions, our illnesses, our anger, our hurt, and our grief. Help us to see you, to bow down before you. Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as we journey to the end of Lent, we realize that there are those among us that Easter feels very far away that resurrection seems like a far-off promise. Lord, be with them. We especially lift up the families that are in the midst of grief right now. Lord, we lift up the family of Petey Devant, Preston Guyton, and Dick Carter. We lament their earthly loss and be with us as we navigate this season of grief. Lord, in your mercy. <clears throat> Lord, we are grateful that you bring crowds together. Let us raise our voices together as your church with the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. As we prepare for our offering, I want to say thank you for continuing to be a church when we can raise our voices, wave palms in the air, and worship God, but also a place where we can mourn our, the loss of our beloved. Thank you for being God's faithful church.
Oh God, we place your gifts into your hands, praying that we, they can be part of becoming a more peaceable kingdom. We give them out of our love and hope we only find in you. Lord's name we pray. Amen. King eternal, we follow not with fears. Why? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And now with the grace of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, both now and forevermore. <laughs> 